our hearts. Thank you, buddy. Terry for that beautiful song it goes right along with 
message this morning. <clears throat> well, we're coming to the conclusion of um, four sermons on um, great acts of love. Use February for those uh, sermon uh, those sermon titles. And we look back the, a month ago, four weeks ago, three weeks ago, if you will, at the, uh, the ultimate act of God's love was when He sent, when God the Father sent Jesus to earth for us. And then we talked about discipline and how we must be disciplined in our lives and, and how Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews told us that God disciplines those He loves. Not because he hates us, because he loves us. And then last week we talked about that great act of of forgiveness. And God does forgive us. And the beauty of being forgiven. And this morning, as we allow the Holy Spirit to be our guide, to be our teacher this morning, this is what I would like us to consider. This question. What act of love... Have I demonstrated lately? You got a weird looking handout. And I know what you're saying. What in the world? Preacher, I've never had anything like this. There's no blanks to fill in. Well, there's a lot of place, there's a lot of space to write in. So I hope that we'll be challenged today by some of the questions that I have put there for you, for me first, for you second. And I want to use one verse of scripture, uh, for our key verse, if you will. And then I want you to turn and go ahead and find Luke 5. But John 15, 13, is, I want us to read that together this morning. John 15, 13. And then we want to take verse by verse, Luke 5, 17 to 25, and go through that story uh, together. Jesus says in John 15, verse 13, these words, Greater love has no one than this. That he lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no man or no one than this. That he lay down his life for his friends. The wonderful word of the Lord. And God we do thank you for your word. We thank you for this verse in particular this morning. And we thank you for the text that we'll be reading in just a moment as we go through it together. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would, you, that you would challenge us, that you would show us, oh God, what it is to truly demonstrate love. Lord, may we look at ourselves face to face, heart to heart, and decide what act of love have we demonstrated lately? Maybe we're here this morning and we have not demonstrated any act of love. Lord, my prayer is that you will challenge us to act in love. That we would put you on display in our daily lives. So Lord, speak to our hearts. I pray in your name and for your sake. Amen. Love described by children. Listen to some of these. Rebecca, age eight, says, When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. 
Uh, some of y'all thinking, is that going to ever happen to me? <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Billy, age four, says this. When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Chrissy, age six. Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your French fries without making them give you any of theirs. Terry, age four. Love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Danny, age seven. When is Love is when my mama makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. Man. Nikki, age six. If you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. Hmm. Noel, age seven. Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. <laughs> Tommy is age six. He says, love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. There's some truth in that, huh? Claire, age six, my mommy loves me more than anybody. You don't see anyone else kissing me to sleep at night. Elaine, age five, love is when mama gives daddy the best piece of chicken. And Jessica, age eight, says, you really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot. People forget. Just some little cute little things I ran across this week to try to set the stage for this story that we'll look at in Luke chapter number five. So go ahead and turn there. And, and, and we're just going to go through these verses pretty quickly this morning and, and um, see what God wants to teach us. This morning, very familiar story to us all. Beginning with verse number 17, this particular uh, scripture begins as we see Jesus teaching and there are whole lots of people that he's teaching at this particular time. In particular, the scripture mentions scribes and Pharisees. He's not teaching in the synagogue. He's not in a temple. He's not in any, in any type church. But he is in a large, a rather large house because there's a large crowd there. Look at verse number 17 of Luke chapter 5. One day as he was teaching, that's Jesus, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And get this, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. So as he's teaching, try, try to set this stage in your mind. Try to envision this, uh, if you will. Jesus teaching and he's in this house and it's, and it's packed. There's no room. Walls of wall. People standing up everywhere. Even out on the front porch and the back porch where people are listening, trying to get a glimpse and trying to listen to what Jesus is saying. And while Jesus was teaching, Scripture says this in verse 18, some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Now, Luke, uh, I mean, Mark gives this same story. The Gospel of Mark records this very same story. And in that verse, chapter 2 of verse 3, Mark specifically says that the number of men were four. And rightfully so, because they were they were bringing a mat or a cot or a stretcher or some type of bed. Obviously, there were four sides to it, uh, four corners, and surely there was a man at each corner. 
And look at the rest of verse number 18. And tried to take him to the house to lay him before Jesus. Verse 19. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd. There's that crowd that I just described to you. They went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, understand this gentleman could not get to Jesus on his own. He had to have some help. And fortunately for him, he had some loyal friends. He had some determined friends that cared enough to get him to the foot of Jesus. Not just in the vicinity. Scripture says to put him at the feet of the Lord Jesus. This man got to Jesus. Why? Why why did he get to Jesus? Because there was a great act of love demonstrated by those four men. Verse number 19. They lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Well, they come to the door. They can't get in. They can't get down the aisles. They can't get in anywhere. It's packed. It's full. Now, what would we have probably done? Probably, if we're honest. Man, it's too crowded in here. We, we, we can't, we can't get to Jesus. So they go the extra mile, so to speak. What do they, they climb up on the roof and begin to tear apart the roof so that they can get their friend, the one that they love, the one that they cared about, and get him down right at the feet of Jesus. Put yourself in those four men's place. Again, what would we have done? Would, would we have gone the extra mile? Or would we have said just kind of put that, that cot together and just toted the gentleman on back to where he came from? Would we have put on display our Christian love in front of all those people? Would we have caused a commotion tearing up the roof and, and getting that man to the foot of Jesus? Would we have done that? And I ask myself that very same question, church. I'm not asking just you. I'm asking me. Would we have done that? Would we have been patient enough? Valentine's Day just passed. And I think one of you kind folks in this church just happened to give me and my wife a Outback gift certificate. And I love those because somebody else paid for it and I didn't. And I get to go eat and eat free and enjoy it. And don't feel bad about splurging and buying something with somebody else's money for once. Well, we go there. I said, Patty, just meet me there. I'll meet you there after work. An hour and a half wait. Nope, I ain't waiting an hour and a half. I was impatient. Go to Longhorns and have to use my own money to pay for that meal. <clears throat> impatient. That's how I think we are sometimes. We get, we, we get impatient. Would we have gotten that far out of our comfort zone. And I ask us this, how many times, think about this in our lives, how many times do we go the extra mile? How many times do we get out of our comfort zone to do something for ourselves or someone else that has no eternal value? Now think about it. 
The things that really don't matter in the big scheme of things that really don't matter. But we go the extra mile to do for someone or ourselves. Look at verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith. Whose faith? The faith of the four men trying to get their paralyzed friend to Jesus. Folks, when I read that, I immediately began to think, boy, their faith was evident. Their faith, their faith was noticeable in the, in this great display of love that they were showing for their friend who was in great need. And that brought, brings to my mind once again these two sweet ladies that we just talked about that Nan so beautifully uh, described in just just a few moments ago in in, in the book in the in the cookbook Miss Hilma and and Diane and how they time and time again displayed their love for others their compassion for others being there for others doing for others putting self Aside, is your and my faith evident to people? Does Jesus see our faith? Do we do, do we do great acts of love as these four people, these four men did, and as these two sweet ladies did in their life? The last part of verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. He looked at the man there on the cot, on the mat, on that stretcher. Your sins are forgiven. Now, notice what Jesus did. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that, that he ignored the paralysis? He ignored that the guy couldn't walk. But what does he do? He, do, he, do. he addresses the man's greatest need first. Don't you know that that man was probably shaking with grief and fear because of his sinfulness? No doubt he wanted uh, to be healed physically, but more important, Jesus knew what? That he needed forgiveness of his sins. He needed to be healed spiritually. We talked about forgiveness last week and how forgiveness is your and my greatest need and God's most important gift to us. Think about if we didn't have forgiveness, church, where we would be. Luke nineteen ten. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Matthew one twenty one. And she, Mary, the mother of Jesus, will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Acts 10.43, to him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. I want to believe in my heart, maybe you have a different thought on this, but that Jesus was keenly aware of the paralyzed man's faith, that this man had genuine faith. And what did Jesus do? He extended Full and permanent forgiveness to this man. Verse 24, listen to what it says. Skip down to verse 24. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Healed, completely healed 
instantly. Look at verse 25. Immediately, the NIV says, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Not only was he excited about being healed physically, but boy, don't you know he was excited about being healed spiritually. That his heart was healed. That his, that his soul was now, now saved. So back to the question that we began with this morning. What act of love have I demonstrated lately? Let's just ask ourselves that question. What act of love have I demonstrated lately? Have those acts of love that we have demonstrated in the past week or month or maybe even yesterday, have those acts of love carried with them eternal significance? Do we just take food to a bereaved family and, and don't have prayer over it? Do we, do we not try to, to, to tell a family that's lost a loved one how important it is to have a relationship with Christ? We just take the food and the ice and the drinks and joy. God bless you. See you later. What's our motive? When was the last time, and I ask myself this question, church, when was the last time that you and I brought someone who was paralyzed spiritually to the feet of Christ Jesus? And see, those are the things that we need to be thinking about. That's the greatest act of love that we could ever put on display as God's children. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for this message. Thank you, God, for these four men who went the extra mile, who put forth extra effort to get their friend to the foot of Jesus. Lord, what a challenge this message has been to me, and I pray it has for each one here today. Lord, that we would always go out of the way, go the extra mile, do the unthinkable, if you will, just to get someone in touch with Christ Jesus. Lord, what a tremendous challenge that we have before us today. My prayer is, O God, that people will recognize that our faith is real, that it's genuine. People will notice, God, that we have a relationship with you. Because of the way we conduct ourselves, treat others. Because of those wonderful acts of love that we display in reaching out to those around us. Lord, if there be one here today that has not experienced the forgiveness of God... May they experience that forgiveness today. May none of us leave here today unsure of where we will spend eternity when we breathe our last. Lord, those two sweet ladies that we recognize this morning, Diane Johnson, Hilma McAllister. Lord, we know without a shadow of a doubt when those two ladies breathe their last where they were they entered glory to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord and that's where they are today god may we not miss out on seeing them again 
Thank you, Lord, for your word today. We pray in your name. Amen. I have hymn of dedication number 275. Let's stand as we sing. <clears throat>